Welcome back everyone. As many of you know, my channel is all about helping new writers understand the craft and the nuances of writing a story. And also giving you a quick boot in the pants. Inspiration, because I find that every little nug of information that we get sparks us to revise and soldier on. Today is the first of a three-part series about archetypes. Today, you will learn how to use those archetypes to create more complex characters. Now, as you will recall, an archetype is defined as a consistent pattern, model, or image that occurs so often in life and literature that it is deemed universal. I know what you're thinking. Not my characters. They are original. They are not archetypes. Are they? Really? Well, yes and no. And I think as we go through the archetypes, you'll see that yes, your characters actually do fit into one of those types. But before I get started, I'd love if you haven't already to subscribe and click that notify button. Subscriptions help me like get the content out there, something to do with the algorithms. And hey, it's free content and I love to help new writers because I wish I had help when I was a new writer. Also, one little thing. Actually, it's a big thing. I broke the archetypes into three parts. Traditional female archetypes, traditional male archetypes, that's two. And the third is just all the other archetypes. Some of the female and male hero archetypes are interchangeable and some aren't. But in today's world of understanding and inclusiveness, you can definitely have a character that fits into any archetype. You can. You can definitely have a character, a female character, fit into a traditional male hero archetype and vice versa. So, for example, in Confessions of a Sheba Queen, which is historical erotica, I have an intersex character. And if I were to write another novel, and she would be a great protagonist for a novel, even though she's intersex, she would probably fit into more of a traditional male hero archetype. She just would seem to fit that better. So even though I broke this down, the female and male hero archetypes, this can be gender fluid. Before we get started, just a little reminder that one way that an archetype is different from a trope or a cliche is that archetypes have character growth. They're complex, whereas a trope or a cliche, not so much. How do I use archetypes in my stories? By understanding the archetypes, their strengths and weaknesses, I think it will help you envision, imagine, and create more complex characters, especially in terms of their weaknesses. That's how I use my knowledge of archetypes. So what an archetype helps me do is better figure out both their strengths and their weaknesses. Because you know, your characters have to have lots of weaknesses so that they can have character growth and have things that they have to overcome. And you have that lovely character arc. That's how I use my archetypes. Do you have to do it this way? Uh, of course not. But for me, it's just one more thing that I can put in my author toolbox and turn to when I feel like I need to go deeper, 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 much deeper with my characters. For example, in The Impaler's Wife, Alana is the protagonist and she's more of a librarian archetype. Thinks a lot, reads a lot, 
thinks too much. Can you really think too much? Mm. Her character growth comes from having to get out of her head and learn to think with her gut to be more reactive instead of in here. And she also has to learn to be brave and fearless. I use archetype to figure out strengths and weaknesses and they should have a bunch, right? It also helps me with their aha moment, their epiphany towards the end of the story. And if they have a bunch of weaknesses, then I can work on that and create more conflict and know that they have to overcome these weaknesses. So for me, it really just zeroes in on my character, what traditional weaknesses are, maybe just weaknesses for that particular story or historical time period, and really helps me create a more solid character. Also what archetypes tend to do is they help the reader learn a whole lot about life and how they can grow as well. So here are eight traditional female hero archetypes. Wow, that was a mouthful. Weaknesses that they may have and how they can impact readers. Let's get started. The boss. She's a take charge kind of gal. Expects nothing but R-E-S-P-E-C-T. She's goal driven, can do, and get out of my way. Now maybe some readers can relate. I don't know how many, but probably a few. But the boss all has traits that we admire and we can learn to demand more respect, to be more assertive, that we are worthy of respect. What are a boss's weaknesses? Ooh. She probably mows over people. She's probably not very sympathetic or empathetic. She probably has an overbearing or overpowering personality. You have a boss archetype and they're overbearing, not empathetic, not sympathetic. You already kind of know if they are your protagonist, if they're going to have to have some character growth, what they need to do. The survivor is next. This gal is mysterious sometimes and can be manipulative as well. In fact, maybe manipulation is her middle name. A hard life, a tough life made her a survivor. Think Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. As God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. In my novels, The Emperor's Assassin, Locusta is definitely a survivor archetype. And Zhang Gu in Dragon Lady, definitely the more manipulative survivor. And they are super fun to write. I love survivor archetypes because I just think there's so much you can do with them. And then they have that attitude. And I always like characters with attitude. Readers love the survivor and they can learn about dusting themselves off and getting up however many times it takes to get back up. So what are the survivor's weaknesses? You know, besides being manipulative, is your survivor character, will they become more and more world weary and more cynical? Or are they going to become more sympathetic and empathetic? What in their survivor traits do they need to overcome? Do they need to put other people first and not themselves? Do they need to reassess what they are surviving for? Either way, readers learn what it takes to survive really tough times or really tough situations. And that's a good thing. It also teaches the reader what motivates people to survive and what they need to do to survive. The next character is the free spirit. She's original, she's playful. She may go out on a whim. She follows her heart. Her intentions are always good. 
But even though she means well, things never really go according to plan. Well, what they think is a plan. And they often leave like a trail of misdeeds and mishaps and think Lucille Ball. She played the free spirit to a T. Readers, especially those with the free spirit gene, They can learn both about the good and the trouble that can come from having too cavalier of an attitude. You know, a lot of sitcoms rely on this character for all of their plot lines. And you can probably think of a whole bunch. So what does this character need for growth and success? A plan? Some forethought? A few painful life lessons that show them the error of their too cavalier ways? Do bad things happen because of their attitude? Do they lose friends, lose a job, make enemies, annoy people, figure out their weaknesses that goes with the cavalier attitude, and you've got yourself some character growth. The next is the spunky kid. Not really a kid. I don't even know why it's called a kid. It's just like a spunky woman, maybe a young woman, but you can still be spunky and be 80, so they need to change kid. It's all the rage right now. This character has tons of friends, but they're not gonna win any popularity contest. Really, they're all about their own little niche. They have their own little group. They want to find their place in the world or they already have their place in the world and they are quite happy with it. The spunky kid, everybody loves the spunky kid. They're likable and very relatable. And what the spunky kid shows the reader, if you're not spunky yourself, is that we all need to embrace our inner nerve, spunk, elan, energy, enthusiasm, and courage for success. What could possibly be the weakness for a spunky kid? Maybe she's too spunky, too gullible, too trusting, too certain of everyone's good intentions, too naive, too irritating to less spunky people. Maybe your spunky character has to learn caution, leadership skills, or warrior skills. The next archetype is the librarian, my personal favorite. She's damn sexy under that button up blouse and that, that severe bun and the glasses. I think they have to have the glasses. I think that might be an unwritten rule. This female hero thinks she has all the answers. She knows she has all the answers. Maybe she does. The librarian tends to be opinionated and stubborn. She's Willow in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's Evie in The Mummy. And she's Diane Bishop from The Discovery of Witches. The librarian teaches us that the answer lies not just in books and knowledge and wisdom, but also the importance of getting out of your head to go with your gut. That the gut doesn't lie. That both knowledge and gut work together. The librarian can also teach us that sometimes the ancient texts can be wrong or mistranscribed, or that there are different interpretations. The Waif. The Waif is a favorite of most of the older Disney movies. It's the quintessential damsel in distress. She needs to be rescued by the prince or somebody hot. She may be innocent and she may not be all that innocent, but she still requires rescue. And she also may have an air of innocence around her. I'm thinking about Pretty Woman. That just came to me. I'm thinking if she would be the waif. Yeah, 
She's not innocent, right? Prostitute, but seems innocent and required rescuing by the handsome billionaire. I need a billionaire. Can someone find me a billionaire? Her weakness is in reacting, not acting. Her weakness is passivity, not action. It's letting life control her, not the other way around. The waif is big in a lot of early romances. You know, the young virgin is kidnapped and the hunky guy rescues her, or maybe he kidnapped her, but then he changes his mind because, you know, she's so hot. And it definitely has its merits. I mean, who doesn't prefer letting someone else do all the hard work of rescuing? And it can be very, very romantic. What does the waif teach us? Well, nowadays the damsel in distress usually learns to help herself or else be a major contributing factor to the rescuer, the prince. She teaches that even helpless people can become less helpless. Personal story. A few years ago, I had a student who was going through some devastating personal issues. And by that, I mean criminal acts against her. And I had just finished this lecture on archetypes. And she came up to me and she said, you know, I'm the waif and I don't want to be the waif. I want to be the crusader and the crusader is going to come up last. She actually did go on to become the crusader, not the survivor, which would be cynical, right? She became a crusader for women who had experienced the same thing she did. And she is determined to empower other women who experienced similar crimes against them. Don't tell me archetypes have no power. The nurturer is another female hero archetype. That's like mom is hero. They're efficient, optimistic. They take care of everyone and set them on the right path. They're often portrayed as peaceful, composed. Not me. Nurturer types tend to usually have like be in a group of people and they tend to be the nurturing for the all the other ones in the group. Of course, because to be a nurturer, you have to be with other people. They give everyone a hug and a granola bar and, and a water bottle and they make them feel good about themselves. But if you have a nurturer character, how are you going to add more complexity to that character? Who nurtures them? What issues do they have that require nurturing? And a character that I'm thinking about that I see more as a nurturer character would be the psychiatrist in the Netflix show Lucifer. A nurturer is always going to have some kind of issue, usually hidden. And those are the things you might want to bring out. Everybody has issues. What does the nurturer need nurturing for? Other weaknesses to consider. Are they nurturing to a fault? Being overly optimistic, being too optimistic and not realistic enough. Who are their conflicts going to be with? And does it have anything to do with their nurturing ways? Now, what does the nurturer teach the reader? They teach the reader how to be more nurturing, how to give more tender love and care to people, that you need people, that people need love, acceptance, and a cookie. As I see it with nurturers, there can be just a, a spectrum of nurturers. You know, you have the one that's prone to martyrdom, then you have that whole spectrum, and then you perhaps have your therapist. So where does your nurturer fall in line? And what issues do they have? The last female hero archetype is the Crusader. That's a modern favorite of many novels, films, and TV shows. She's street smart, ass kicking, take no prisoners. If you ain't with her, 
you're against her. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Xena Warrior Princess are two examples. In my novel, Confessions of a Sheba Queen, that's the historical erotica, the Queen of Sheba is a crusader. She's on a mission from about page 20. Her mission shifts a little bit, but that all becomes part of her character arc, her growth. Crusader types teach the reader to be bold and to be daring, to be doers and difference makers. Difference makers. That sometimes all it takes is one person to make a difference. And I think that is huge. What are their weaknesses? Well, sometimes the mission comes first and supersedes everything else. Family, relationships, feelings, other people's feelings, or alternate ideas. All that gets kicked to the wayside for the mission. And really, you don't have to be for someone to be against them. Who made that rule? But that's their mindset. So perhaps that is one of their weaknesses. Also, it could be their only mission in life. And that just isn't healthy because what if it goes wrong? They got nothing. I see this character a lot in TV shows where like, and it's usually that the woman is, you know, saving the day, she's police or FBI or something, some kind of function like that. And their whole mission is to, you know, find the killer, find the murderer, put the criminal away. And they do that to the exclusion of everything else. And a lot of times they'll have episodes where they have to make a decision you know, to be with this person or choose the mission. And usually if they're going to stay on the TV show, then they have to choose the mission. And if they need an exit from the TV show and their contract is done, then they choose (laughs) the relationship. Can they have both? I don't know. Depends what your story is. Now you have an overview of the different female archetypes, a few ways you can consider their weaknesses and their strengths and how readers can learn from them. I hope you join me next week when we discuss traditional male archetypes. And then the third one, of course, will be all the other archetypes. So now you know what you have to do. Dream, create, and embrace. Bye-bye. See you next week.